Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Please take a Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to look there this morning. We've been doing a study through Ephesians called In Him, like our banners here say, In Him. And uh, we're gonna look at it a little bit, and then I'm gonna reference a lot of other passages of scripture. We're gonna have another one up on the screen, and I'm gonna mention some, but we're not gonna turn to all of them. Uh, The last time I preached in a subject, the, the text that we're gonna look at today, I shared something like 35 verses during the message. And, you know, after a couple dozen uh, verses, uh, people's eyes started glazing over, you know. (laughs) The Bible's a good thing, right? But too much of a good thing is still too much, right? So so we won't do that today. We'll handle things a little bit differently. The question is, what happens after death? And for Jesus and for you. So what happens after death? Well, we're going to look at something that's misunderstood frequently from Ephesians chapter four. And some people get a very wrong idea just from a little bit of this verse. So uh, let's look and let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we don't have all the answers, but you do. And so we're grateful that as we look to your word and listen to your spirit, you can help us get the answers that we need for our lives today. So we pray that you would speak into our hearts. I pray that we would listen, not just to your word, but to your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would learn, that we'd be drawn closer to you. I pray that if there's someone here who has not yet trusted Christ, that they might do that this very day. And for those of us who have trusted Christ, I pray that we would learn and grow, and that we would be encouraged in our walk with Christ. In his blessed name we pray, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, and this morning we're going to look at beginning in verse number 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lowest lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So as we look at this, there's several false teaching that spring from this passage, and we could spend an hour analyzing and evaluating them, uh, but what is our first rule for understanding scripture? Context. You probably heard that a few times, especially if you're in the adult Bible class. And context is the most important thing. We look at how it's set, the verses before it, the verses after it, the whole chapter, the whole book, and how it relates to all of Scripture. The context. We don't take a verse and then lift it out and say, oh, this is what it means, and come up with some mystical meaning. Well, let me rephrase that. We're not supposed to do that. But people do that sometimes. 
They, they grab it out and run with it. But Peter said there's not a single verse in all of Scripture that is, has a private interpretation. It's all connected, and I can't, you can't have your interpretation and me have a different one. Now, there's different applications. Let me just give you a quick illustration for that. Children, obey your parents. See, that means one thing to Jerry. That means Jerry has to obey mom and dad. Even when he's sure mom and dad are wrong, he still has to obey, right? See, that's a little different. And then uh, if you're a parent here, you know, Clorinda, she has some kids who have to obey her. And they usually do a decent job of it, but not always. And the funny thing is, uh, we had five kids as well as they do and the Qualls do. Each of your kids is so different and each of your kids pushes a different button. But they sure push the button, don't they? And, and then now I'm a grandpa. And so children obey your parents. This is different again. My grandkids can tell me that's not what my parents want me to do. And then I have to change. I, I have shared an illustration before of Megan saying, Dad, you need to stop doing that with Leah. And guess what I did? I stopped doing that with Leah because that's her responsibility, not mine. So it's the same truth, but we apply it into our lives in different ways. So uh, when we look at this passage of scripture, I want you to realize that you can't just think, oh, this sounds really cool. That's got to be, that's what I want it to mean. No, we have to see what does it say. So in the context of this verse, uh, see, in verse 7, what is he talking about? He mentions something that Christ gives. What is it? Grace. Grace that was given. Given. This is a grace gift received. Now, grace means this is something you do not deserve. So God didn't look down from heaven and say, oh, man, there's Ben Qualls. Ben is so awesome. I got to give this to Ben. No, it's grace. He looked down from heaven and said, Ben needs help. I got to give him help. And that's why we get these gifts that God gives. Look in verse 11. He talks about gifts again. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So he gave these gifts to the church. So verse 7 is talking about gifts, and verse 11 is talking about gifts. The context of this passage is dealing with the gifts that God gives, that Jesus Christ gives, God the Son gives to his church to equip people and to provide for them. So verses 8 through 10 need to be understood in that context. So we shouldn't make dramatic or drastic theological leaps from verses 8 through 10 because in their context, it's referring to Christ providing for the church. So in verse 8, let's read it again. It says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, d does the Bible that you have have a little reference there, uh, a tag saying that it refers to another verse? Uh, if it does, then that other verse is from Psalm 68. But Paul makes a significant change from what Psalm 68 says. 
In Psalm 68, verse 18, it says that he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and then he received gifts. So in the psalm, he's talking about like the conquering person, the general or the king who comes back from the battle. They have conquered, and they come back, and now the people give gifts to him because he was victorious. But Paul takes that verse, and he kind of flips it around, or he turns it over. He, he says that he, the one who conquered, now gives gifts to the people. So why did Paul reverse the story? Because Jesus changed history. See, Jesus conquered not by beating down the enemy, but by dying for them. So that we who were enmity or enemies of God could now be made friends and family with God. One of the praises Patty was talking about getting together with her sisters. It had been a few years, and, and then she was talking about seeing some dear friends. And, and by the way, I had a neat praise this month. I should have shared. Uh, a, a friend of mine, we know each other. I pray for him. Lori Altamirano's dad told me that he was pronounced cancer-free. It's his second bout of cancer. So that was pretty cool. I said, man, that is great. I said, can I give you a hug? Because we've always shaken hands, you know. I gave him a hug. He said, yeah. So I, that was just really exciting to, to have happen. What a huge blessing. So listen, when we look at this passage of Scripture, the gifts that God gave, he gave out to us. He provided for us. He ministered to us. It's the exact opposite of what was described by the psalmist in Psalm 68. Now he's saying he's the one who gives out the gifts. So when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for those who desperately needed it. He came down to give his life a ransom. And when he ascended up into heaven, he then gave gifts to his church through his Holy Spirit to provide and equip the body of Christ to accomplish the work of Christ. So the, the people who assemble in his name, the church, have received the gifts that Christ gave, beginning with salvation, but then including the spiritual gifts that he gives. So uh, look in verse 9. It says, he ascended. Now what is ascending? That's going up. So like earlier... When John came up here, he was jogging a little bit, had to get a run to get up those steps because he's getting old. And so, you know, we, he ascended the steps. And he, he got up the steps. You're ascending. So if he ascended, he first had to descend, right? Jesus described it this way. He said, I was in heaven with God the Father, as John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, the living Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were created by him and for him. And without him was not anything made that was made. John 1, Jesus, God the Son, lived in heaven. And then he came down to earth. He descended to earth. So then... John chapter 3 and John chapter 6 say, Jesus said, I came down from heaven. And then uh, verse 9, so does verse 9 describe when he descended for his birth on earth? 
Galatians 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Is that what he's referring to, that he came down and descended? Or was it when he died and then he descended? See, the truth is, it could describe both or either. And, and all right, we're going to explain how it could fit both ways. Now, some people suggest that after his death on the cross, Jesus went into the flames of hell to finish paying the full penalty for our sins. That he took the complete punishment we deserve by going to hell for us. I've actually heard this preached in a church when I was a kid, and I thought, whoa. Now I think, whoa, I don't think that's what happened. And here's why. Jesus paid the full penalty elsewhere in the Bible, it says, when he was on the cross. The penalty was paid by his death on the cross. Not only that, but after those three hours of darkness, when the wrath of God was poured out because of our sins on Christ, when during those three hours of darkness on the cross, after that, Jesus said one word in the Greek, but three words in the English, and in the English he said, it is finished. Finished. He didn't say, hey, you know, we're getting real close to the end here. I got most of it done, but uh, between now and when I rise from the dead, I got to spend some time in hell and finish the job. That's not what he said. He said, it is finished. Now, it was already complete, totally fulfilled, paid in full. Jesus did not go to hell so where did he go? Well, in the Old Testament, there was a place and a, name, a word used called Sheol. In the New Testament, it's Hades, because the Old Testament was a Hebrew word, Sheol. In the New Testament, it's a Greek word, Hades. And it means the same thing. It means the place of the departed dead. Now, if you ever read Greek mythology or anything like that, then Hades is a place that some people go to and then they can earn their way out of Hades and some of them come back to life on earth if the gods are pleased. And you know, it's that mythology, that's the mythological version of Hades. The true version, the version the Bible clearly teaches and shows is that Hades is a place where people go when they die. It's sometimes translated as the grave or the pit. It's sometimes referred to as hell or paradise, depending on a person's relationship with God before they died. And they believed that Sheol was inside the earth. Number 16 tells the story of Korah, who rebelled against Moses, and the earth opened up, and swallowed him. Korah and his family and the other families that were key leaders with him, they all plunged down into the earth and then the earth closed back up. Absolutely, totally unique earthquake that's never been repeated at any other time. And all the people who saw it went running for their lives, terrified. Uh, they, they, uh, but it says that he went straight down into Sheol, into the pit, into the place the departed dead. 1 Samuel 28 tells a very strange story. Oh, well, that's all right. I'm not at that picture yet, but that's okay. Uh, 1 Samuel 28 tells a very strange story of uh, Samuel had died. And so Saul 
really wanted Samuel's input because he felt like God wasn't listening to him. So King Saul then found a lady who was a median or a spiritist, somebody who consulted with demons. And, and he found this lady and he asked her to bring up Samuel and Samuel came and he came up and he said, why did you bring me up? And she saw him ascending out of the earth. They, they believe that Sheol, Hades, this place was inside the earth. Psalm 55, 15, uh, let death seize them, let them go down alive into Sheol, to go down into Sheol. So when Jesus died, Jesus went to this place in the Hebrew, Sheol, in the Greek, Hades, the place of the departed dead. Uh, when people die, their soul and spirit would then go to Sheol or Hades. Because Jesus was fully human, when he died, his soul and spirit did what human souls and spirit did. He went to Sheol. By Jesus' own description in Luke, now bring up this other slide, Sheol or Hades was divided into two completely separate places where people go when they die. So this picture has two. One side is judgment. Often it's translated in the scripture as hell when the word could or maybe should be translated as Sheol or Hades, um, but it's the place, it's the judgment side. It's the torment side. It's the suffering side. And then on the other side, you have paradise. Uh, that's the blessing side. That's the comfort side. And so Jesus in Luke 16 describes the difference in these two places. He tells the story of this description and he, he actually describes a conversation between Abraham who was in paradise and a formerly rich man who was in the Haiti, the judgment side or the hell side. So Abraham's on the blessed side and this guy's on the suffering side and a conversation that they had together. And um, in between the two sides, Abraham says there's a great gulf fixed. There's a dividing, a division, and you cannot go from one side to the other. So somebody who's in the judgment side cannot get into the paradise side or vice versa. You can't be in paradise, get in trouble and get kicked out to go to the hell side. There is no purgatory. There is no place where you go when you die and you might earn your way to heaven, you might not, depending on how good you are while you're in purgatory or how many people are praying for you or giving money for you. There is no purgatory. When you die, you either go to the place of judgment or the place of blessing. There is no in-between. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground. The gulf is not middle ground, but it's a clearly defined separation. Now, I don't know if everybody that was on the judgment side could see everybody who's on the paradise side or vice versa. I, I really hope that Eve is not on the paradise side seeing her son Cain on the suffering side for 6,000 years now. I really hope she hasn't had to endure that. But your eternal destiny is determined while you live on this one and only life at this time on earth. 
Jesus described that conversation. One person in hell could see one person in paradise. We don't know if everybody could. We don't know if anybody still can. But whether they could or whether they could not, the rich man was in hell or the judgment side of Hades and will face the lake of fire because he rejected the truth of God's word about God's redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lazarus and Abraham, who believed God, they're on the paradise side, and they will live when paradise is restored and on the new heaven and the new earth, on the new earth, paradise will be there. Revelation 2 and 21 and 22 talk about the paradise of God and the, the tree of life, and uh, they're all linked together on the new earth. And so when Jesus died, he went to the paradise side of Sheol, Hades. In this picture, it would be the light side. He, he went to the bright side, not the dark side. In 1 Peter 3, Peter described Jesus as preaching to the spirits in prison. Uh, perhaps he was revealing himself to be the long, longed-for Messiah and Christ so that those who had died without seeing Christ could now see him and believe and rejoice. Maybe Eve could then rejoice at the seed of the woman that has brought this gift of salvation to everyone. But they were already on the paradise side of Sheol and Hades because they believed God's, God's plan of redemption and trusted in God's Redeemer. Now, it looks a little different now. Since the ascension of Christ, when believers die, their soul and spirit do not go down into the earth, they go up to be with the Lord. So listen to what Paul said, or just look here on the screen at what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, verses six through eight. So we are always confident, knowing that we are, while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So Paul says there's a couple of things going on. While we're here on earth, we're absent from the Lord. Now I know the Holy Spirit lives inside us as he did in Paul when Paul was writing this. But we don't get to see Jesus. We don't get to hug him. We don't get to fist bump or, or anything with Jesus. We can't see him. We're not in his physical presence like we will be someday. So right now we are absent from the Lord and present here. But then someday we will be absent from the here and present with the Lord. And so when you die, your body dies. Your soul and spirit do not die. They are not diminished at all. Your soul and spirit, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, the moment that you die, absent from the body, present with the Lord. See, I, I have been in the room when several people have died. I've held the hands of people as they died. I've seen them exhale for the last time, and then, then their body just kind of sags a little bit. Well, what happened? The soul and spirit are gone. They left the body. So all that's left is the body. Now, 
the Bible teaches the body will be resurrected. Even if it got blown up or burned up, it'll be resurrected and we'll have a glorified body and we won't have any aches or pains and we won't have any desire to sin. We'll, we'll be righteous and holy and loving the Lord forever and we will rejoice when our bodies work the way they're supposed to work all the time every day. But when we die at that exact moment, before a doctor can even pronounce a person dead, they're already either with the Lord or not. So on the judgment side, they're in Hades, they're in what's often called hell, and then eventually those in Hades or hell will be resurrected to face the judgment seat of Christ, and then they will be cast into the lake of fire. And that's the, the end of their existence on this earth and the beginning of their worse suffering than they're enduring right now if they're already in hell. But those who have trusted Christ, who have believed God's word and trusted him, because the penalty Jesus paid on the cross, God can look at you and pronounce you innocent. Now I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if we look back in Jeff's life, we could find a few things that he didn't do very well. He maybe cheated on a test when he was a kid. At some point in his life, he told a lie. At some point in his life, he wasn't as kind as he is now. But that's all forgiven because Jeff trusted Jesus Christ as his savior. Now, there may be people who still hold it against him, but God does not. Because when God forgives, he forgives it all. He saves to the uttermost completely, absolutely. So when God looks at Jeff, he doesn't say, oh man, look at all those black marks in Jeff's book. He looks at Jeff and sees the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ, his blood paid in full, Jeff's my kid. And God takes him into his family forever. Not because of what Jeff did, but because of what Jesus did. The only thing we did was receive the gift. That's it. You can't earn, borrow, beg, pay for salvation. You receive the gift of salvation because Christ gave gifts to men because the conquering king didn't whoop the enemy. He died in their place so the enemy could receive eternal life through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. His blood washes away our sins. And so we are blessed because of that. Uh, we, uh, Paul said when, when he wrote about it in 2 Corinthians, he said he was caught up to paradise. He went up to be where the Lord is. Uh, when several of you have lost loved ones within the last year or two or three, and they're with the Lord now. And you will see them again, and you will go up, either in the rapture when God calls all of us up together, or you'll go up one or two at a time as we die, and then we go up to be with the Lord. We know we will be with him, because that's what his word says. And as soon as our body dies, our soul and spirit go there. Just like before the ascension of Christ, 
we would go down to the the blessed side, the the uh, reward side, of the paradise side of Hades. Now we would go up to paradise with him because paradise is where Jesus is forevermore. And we will go be with him. And eventually on the new earth with him, that will be paradise. So uh, what happens after death for you? Well, that depends on what you do with Jesus. When you die, only your body dies. Your soul, your spirit, the inner part of you, the light of your eyes, that you go be with the Lord. You know, I, I watched a deer die. I was out hunting with my brother-in-law. Well, actually, he was hunting. I was hiking. Apparently, I was a little distracting. He told me I could never go hunting with him again. I, you're supposed to hold still and be quiet. That doesn't work for me. Just doesn't work for me. Um, so, uh, but he shot a deer, and then we got to the deer before the deer died, and you could see the light just go out of the deer's eyes, and the deer was gone. And he made some excellent venison jerky with it. He ate it. He didn't just go kill something just for fun. He did it for food. And uh, that's allowed in the scripture. But when people die, the light goes out of their eyes too. They, their soul and spirit are gone. And what's left is the body. Now, you are not a soul and spirit who happens to live in a body. You are body, soul, and spirit. But when you die, God separates them. We can't separate them, but God can. And he separates them. So our soul and spirit immediately go be with him while our body goes into the grave. In hell, there is no relief for the torment. The judgment side of Hades, the punishment side, that's, there's no relief from the torments in hell or the lake of fire. When death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, there's no relief. And in heaven, there's no lessening of the blessings. It's never going to get old. Why, I bet if I fed you your, your favorite food, your absolute favorite meal, the best meal you'd ever had, and you'd absolutely loved it, you would know I didn't cook it. But, but you would say, man, that is great. I want to have that again. All right, so then the next day you have it for breakfast and then for lunch and then for dinner and then for breakfast and lunch and dinner. Eventually, you'd get really tired of it. You'd say, this is great, but you got anything else? No, toast and water. I'll eat this again. Okay, but when we get to heaven, we're never going to get tired of the blessing. It's just going to be exponentially better. Over time, just getting better and better. It will not grow weary of it, will not get tired of it, because we'll be with the Lord, and this awesome experience will just keep growing. So you will go to heaven, you will go to paradise, you will eventually live on the new earth with the Lord. You will have joy and blessings forevermore. So it comes down to what you do with Jesus. Your destiny in the life to come is determined by your relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else. It, it doesn't matter if you were a member of a Baptist church. 
I think you should be. If you live here, I think you should be a member of this one. Okay? But, but, but what really matters, what did you do with Jesus? It doesn't matter if you're tall or short. If it doesn't matter if you're thin or a little less thin. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man or a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter if you need glasses or you run into walls or if you have vision that's just astounding. What matters is spiritually have you received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, then God is right now preparing a place for you in heaven. He, right now, God is trusting you with his gospel to then share it with the people in this community and in your neighborhood who desperately need to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. His gospel needs to be shared with others. And now that you are in his family, he has assigned you that task of doing that, sharing that with others. You need to build relationships with unsaved people so that we can share the hope of heaven and the love of Christ with them. And, and I, I think if you're honest, I, I know I can, if you're honest, you can look in your life and say, I can improve in this area. I can do better in this area. So for, for right now, I want you to just stop. I want you not to think about what lunch is gonna be or what tomorrow's gonna be or is he ever gonna finish the message. I want you to think about one thing only. I want you to think about how much Jesus loves those lost people in our community. And what would he want you to do about it? So take a moment, quietly pray, and ask him, what do you want me to do about it this week? Maybe he'll put somebody in your heart and on your mind that you can talk to this week. Just take a moment, you and God. We're so grateful that the scriptures tell us that death is the final enemy and that death has already been conquered by Jesus. That even though we will face physical death in this life, it's not the end of our life. Our soul and spirit immediately go to be with you. We thank you that the worst on earth puts us in the most blessed place we have ever experienced in our entire lives so that death is the gateway to glory with you. We thank you for that blessed hope, and we pray that we would do a good job of sharing that hope with others in our community this very week. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're here this morning and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do that. There's only two options. You either trust him or you regret it forever. 
You either trust him and go to heaven and the new heaven and the new earth and the blessing of being in God's paradise or you reject him and you don't trust him and you put it off and you die in your sins and you are suffering forever. You say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, actually, it's completely fair. It's the only thing that you have complete say It's the only thing in our lives. You couldn't decide whether you were bald or have a lot of hair as you get older, whether your hair's getting a wavy or just waving bye-bye. You don't have any say in that. You don't have any say in how tall you are. We have very little say in how much money we have. I mean, we can use it wisely, invest it wisely, but it can disappear awfully quickly in our culture. We've seen that happen. Uh, I've seen people lose millions of dollars uh, overnight. Uh, so you don't have any say over that. You, you have some say over your health, like if you eat healthily, exercise regularly, but stuff can still happen. You can be minding the laws, driving carefully, and some crazy person slams into you, and you have aches and pains for the rest of your life on earth. You don't have any say over stuff like that. But God has given you the opportunity to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. It's the only fair thing in your life. Every person has at least one opportunity to receive Christ as Savior. Don't miss that opportunity. Trust Him. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.